into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we're doing a 101 for a very special mutant, uh, I would say. If anybody's watching The Gifted, the first episode came out this past weekend, or this past Monday, and uh, the character, one of the characters they heavily featured was Polaris. Yeah, the, uh, the estranged daughter of Magneto. That's right, so... Uh, we're going to go ahead and if you haven't, if you don't know much about Polaris, if you're just watching the show, we're going to go ahead and explain to you who she is, uh, why she's, she's special, why she's interesting and, uh, hopefully give you, you know, a little bit of a rundown on her and why, uh, you know, you know, some of the basics that you, you'd want to learn about that character so that you can better understand her in the show. But before we get to that, Chris, like always, we can do some comic news and some, uh, what have we been reading? Well, let's see. What have I been reading? So actually, I've been a little bit behind, um, <clears throat> but it was pretty cool because it wound up giving me three issues of Nightwing to read back to back to back. Oh, wow. So I finally finished the Spiral arc, which was really good, and it's got me peaked to really go back and read, or at least finish, uh, the Grayson book. Okay. You know, So that was really good. And another, well, two other surprise books. Um, I was very surprised, I'm going to be honest with you, because obviously these tie-ins happen. And it's like, ugh. So I'm liking metal. And I was like, oh, man, you know, do I really want to buy the Resistance, the Gotham Resistance books? <laughs> yeah, because that's like Green Arrow, Suicide Squad. I mean, obviously I'm getting Nightwing. And I think the Justice League books or something like that. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this or not. But I'm glad I did because it's fucking amazing. Really? The Resistance oh, books? Oh, my God. This is like Dante's Inferno with... Because it's like they're just going through these rings of hell to get to the center. And each ring, you know, the first one was in, I think it was the Teen Titans book, and it was the Riddler. So he was given this magical playing card, and it could create whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. The second ring, which took place in the Nightwing book, was Mr. Freeze. I can't wait to read the third part because it's great. (laughs) And it's just a smorgasbord of heroes. It's a couple of the Suicide Squad members like um, um, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, um, you have Damien, Robin, you have Nightwing, you have Green Arrow, and it's just like this smorgasbord of these heroes and villains, these characters together, and it's just great. It's just great to see them try to figure their way out of each of these dynamics because it's not that it's just Mr. Freeze. It's a really powerful Mr. Freeze who basically has the power to be a god because he's reshaped this outer ring, mm. you know, and plus now it's kind of like, okay, well, who's going to be the next ring? How's it going to be played out, you know? So it's it's pretty exciting, and this is all being caused by the, the Batman who laughs. So basically the Joker Batman infused variation from so the metal. That's kind of strange, you know, cuz in the in Batman met, or in metal uh the the Batman who laughs, it's a Batman that's a Joker, right? Yes. But in Batman White Knight, it's a Joker that's Batman. Okay, so yeah, talk about timing. So Today, Batman White Knight should be at your comic book stores. I recommend it. I think some of the art, or at least the art I saw initially, looks very beautiful. And it's an interesting story because this is a Batman who went too far. He basically, from what I saw in some of the promo pages, 
he beat the shit out of the Joker. Like, just beat the grin off of him. Wow. And so, at this point, and this is what always cracks me up, because they put him in Arkham. I'm like, really? Would they lock up Batman? <laughs> and then this is what cracks me up. He's going to stay there. And I'm thinking to myself, like, no, if he's going to go to the point where he's going to, you know, kill the Joker or do something like that, no, he's probably going to escape. He's probably going to be like, no, I'm done with this. Like, I, I, I don't live up to my code. Now I live it, I live it the harshest way possible. I mean, I don't know. That's just my he probably, well, you're. I think yeah. you're right. Put, he put himself in his own prison. Like, he, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't, he, would, he wouldn't just let himself, you know, be – he let himself slide, but he wouldn't also – stay in Arkham. Yeah, he wouldn't be inert like that. Yeah. Like, no, let me just sit here. Um, so anyways, with Batman White Knight, yeah, it's it's a Bruce, or it's a Batman who just went too far. Now he's in jail. And then it's the Joker who's kind of coming to the rescue in this one because he realizes that the town needs a Batman, so he's got to do something <laughs> about it. So I think this one, yeah, I think he'll become a Batman. Now the Batman who laughs from Metal, you know, that, that comes from the whole, the map of the 52, and you flip it over and you just have the dark, right. the dark multiverse. So yeah, this one. And the premise, and now whether or not this is going to prove true or not, so this one's pretty crazy. So like in each of these metal stories, so like the murder, well, the, the red, the red death, I think it was. So that one was where basically Batman got tired of losing people. He goes to Barry and he's like, I need you to use the speed force to help me. Barry's like, no. So the Batman goes crazy on him. They fuse together and now Batman has flash powers, but he's got a Barry Allen inside him. Today we got the Green Lantern one. I forget what he's called, but we have the Green Lantern Batman actually, um, um, so he's Batman with a the Dawnbreaker, the Dawnbreaker, Dawnbreaker. So he's Bruce Wayne. He was a young Bruce Wayne who got the Green Lantern ring, and he went a little bit batsy about it. Okay, and so you've got all these versions. So yeah, that'll be one of them is the Joker one. So basically, the Joker was always trying to get Batman to kill him. Why? Well, because the Joker has he's like a virus. So when you kill the Joker, the virus takes you over and you become the next Joker. Mm. So that's the running theory sounds pretty cool i don't know if it's gonna be, you know that's apparently that's what we were told by scott snyder i don't know if the writer of the story is gonna be like oh yeah let me give you the biggest easter egg right now <laughs> but you never know okay so, anyway, so yeah i was reading those medals and um then i also had um i've been reading some ghostwriter i think i was mentioning that before so mm -hmm. i kept going on really good um i'm enjoying i want to say i think it's volume five it's the daniel way stuff Wow, I wish I would have been there when they first came out instead of catching up finally. <laughs> How about you? What are you reading? You know, actually, I didn't get to, a chance to read anything this what? this past week. Yeah, I was I just been so busy. Uh, I didn't really get to read anything that I can remember. Um, Pause the show. Yeah, and Go now up. we're back, and we just sat here for five hours while Mitch read comic books. So Mitch, <laughs> I tell read, me, <laughs> I read all the books. Uh, no, 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 I I still didn't get to read anything. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get to read something, some stuff today, uh, being new comic book day. Oh, and I will have to say, I got to put that one on your radar. I know we talked about it. Uh, Detective Comics, whatever the latest issue was, which was part one of A Lonely Place of Living. Wow, that was good. <laughs> well, it hit me in a great place because one of our regular collaborators who comes on here, Ian, uh, he's also got a great respect for Dick Grayson as well. And one of the best stories, and obviously it struck when we were all younger or we found it in our youth, um, Batman Year 3. And Batman Year 3, a lot of people don't realize, which is it's the bastard year, mm -hmm. you know, because that's the one they've never collected in trade. 
Oh, they, wow. They, they basically want to forget it. And that one in year three was basically the origin of Dick Grayson. So the 80s origin of Dick Grayson, how did it all work out? And it's also the first appearance of Tim Drake. And he, you don't care about him. There's no reason to acknowledge this kid. You know, it's just like, oh, well, whatever. You know, and the, the Drake family goes up and they're like, oh, can you, can our son take a picture with you? He's scared of the circus. We want him to realize that it's just normal people. So little Drake takes a picture with Dick Grayson and life's good. And you don't know why this is important. And it's just worked in there so nicely that it's just the story beat. Like you're like, oh, this right. is, who cares? And then the next story arc after year three is a lonely place of dying. And that little boy is Tim Drake. And he's like, Dick Grayson, you've got to save Batman. And Dick's <laughs> just like, who the hell are you? How do you know these things? <laughs> so it was just such great setup for the character of Tim Drake. Yeah. And I like that um, year three and a lonely place of dying are both back in continuity because those are two amazing comic book stories if you haven't read them do it so i think in uh last week and i think i talked about this last week but last week when i was reading the volume one trade paperback of young justice that came out yes um they they have several recap books of or there's one book where Red Tornado basically is, and I don't remember. I, I think it might be Secret Origins, but I, I'm not sure. Where Secret is talking to Red Tornado about how she feels, she doesn't know what she's gonna do with her life and how she can get over certain things, and she really looks up to the the other heroes in on the team, and uh, heroes that are not yet on the team. Right. And she, uh, Red Tornado, basically tells her the story of Tim Drake, and in that. Um, it, you see the there they show panels of him going to the Haley Circus and talking to uh, Dick Grayson and how he looked up to him and then uh, being there the day that the Graysons fell from the trapeze and you know having to relive that things like that but then eventually putting things together and figuring things out and and yeah going up to you know Dick Grayson saying hey he needs a he needs he needs a Robin kind of thing so that's it, awesome it's it's it was kind of a cool little recap that's awesome that that's there i didn't know that and i'm like wow that's so cool because that was such a great origin mm-hmm. you know so uh like i said i didn't get to read anything this week so if we want to skip right over to the spinner rack what is new in comic books today all right take out your wallet and get ready to give <laughs> so this is also going to be a talking point i'm going to put you on the spot Batman, issue 32 happened today. I figured you, this is what you wanted to talk about. So, two big things happened in this issue. And, and I wanted to say that I think it's it's a shame that one thing is getting more uh, publicity, publicity than, the than the other. Yeah. Well, that's because real comic books fans know and peripheral fans are, you know, they're going to be enlightened by one part. Because truth be told, how many people, let's say this was a six-parter. I forget how many issues it was. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a shit about the first five. And they're missing out. They are. missing out so much. But they're all going to buy this issue. Why? Because it's the one that's going to send their kids to college. (sighs) This is what gets, you know, wallets in the comic book stores. This is what gets, you know, tweets, tweeting, and all that fun stuff. Right. So, yes. So, then do you know what Selena said? I do. She said, she said yes. She said I do as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, yes. I did see that i i did uh click on a link link that i shouldn't have you know that just well i mean i wanted to know what it was i know yeah, i'm, I'm gonna read that. it anyways yeah. but 
the thing so that that happens at the first issue of the of the story arc where he asks her to marry him yeah well uh, the last part of the last story arc is where he That's asks right. her and then part one of the new story arc is batman relaying a tale to her basically his darkest secret because it's like while i love you and i need you in my life there's something that you have to accept of me and i'm not a good man which so. is funny that you know I'm Bruce Wayne and Batman isn't the biggest secret in his life. Oh, of course not. <laughs> like she, I mean, she obviously already knows that part of his life. And, and the other, the other part is revealed that he almost went too far and almost killed the, the Riddler. Yep. At one point, right? The Joker Stopped is the one him. who saved Batman. <laughs> so that, I mean, maybe people aren't writing about that because it's kind of the big part of the story and they want people to read it. But... I do. I only saw one article today where they actually touch on that. that yeah, address uh, touch that part of the story. Which, yeah, for a comic book fan, that's the that's the bigger the big part. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, we've seen. And this is no disrespect to Tom King. He is killing it on Batman. He's doing fantastic. But we've seen a married Batman. You know, we've seen him married to Catwoman before. So this is nothing new. It's for me, it's exciting because I've always felt Batman and Catwoman should be together. That's his Lois Lane, you know, mm-hmm. his Mary Jane, all that, whatever you, you know, his gal pal. Um, but yeah, the whole part with like, like that adds a whole nother dynamic to Joker and Batman's relationship. Because obviously the Joker's going to be like, yeah, kill him. Join my side. Help me out here. <laughs> But it's like, no, because even he probably saw that too, where it's like, this is going to be a Batman who's going to stop being Batman once he crosses that line. So is and this, it's like, I don't want to lose him. I was going to say, <laughs> is this the thing where it's like, where just like Tim Drake says, <laughs> Batman needs a Robin? Does Joker needs a Batman? Joker needs a Batman? <laughs> yes, because no one else is going to care what the Joker does. Because when it comes down to it, this whole villain war, Joker versus Two-Face, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, not Two-Face. Joker versus Riddler. It doesn't matter. Because either Riddler's going to win and Joker's dead, so Joker won't care. Or Joker's going to win, Riddler's dead, and now he just got to find somebody else to kill. Mm-hmm. But Batman's the one who can never get stopped <laughs> or will take the losses the hardest. You know, and it's just like, I can't lose that guy. He's that <laughs> special little light in my I mean, life. I mean, if you think about it, of all the women Batman's gone through, or Bruce Wayne's gone through, his longest relationship is with the Joker. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? The first appearance of Catwoman is also the first appearance of the Joker. Batman number one back in 1940. But was, was he romantically linked to, to Catwoman that first issue? Batman or the Joker? Batman. <laughs> uh, Batman, no. Like, if I, I if I remember correctly, and I always get these, there's, there's a couple panels, and I may or may not get them mixed up. But I think that's the one where Batman kind of accidentally lets her escape, and he's like, oh, darn. And Robin's like... How did you let that happen? Yeah. You know, of course, Batman's like, I said, oh, darn. <laughs> you know, so it, there was obviously a little bit of a flirtation there. Okay. You know. So, I mean, fair enough. Thank God she got rid of the original costume. The, it was a big the yellow. Green one? No, oh. this was like a big yellow bodysuit. Like, picture April O'Neil's costume from okay. the Ninja Turtles, right? But even a little bit more bulkier, a big red cape and a giant cat head. Oh, yeah. Like a full cat head. It was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, uh, if anything, Batman should be like, I'm turning you in. You're ugly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the fact that the Joker probably stops him, I wonder if that is a, you know, retroactively, if that affects, you know, the way that Batman has dealt with the Joker. I mean... The, the like does, does that does that explain why he never kills him? 
He never know? kills him, never does anything really extremely harsh to him. Like, yeah. you know, beating uh, Jason Todd to death with a, with a tire iron and, and then, or a crowbar and then, uh, you know, blowing him up. He didn't really punish he, he, him that bad. Yeah. So is it like, is this going to explain why Batman's kind of always been soft on the Joker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it fits. I mean, you look know, at, look at the beginning of Injustice uh, and the beginning of Kingdom Come. Both of them begin with Superman killing the Joker. Or no, I'm sorry. Superman kills the Joker in Injustice. Uh, Magog kills the Joker in uh, Kingdom Come. Well, either way, Joker kills Lois. Right. And it causes Superman to really go off a different handle. Right. Either one, exiling himself because he realizes humanity's become shit. Or two, taking over humanity because he realizes humanity has become shit. Right. You know? So, like... With those things, you know, it's usually like, well, why didn't you ever kill him, you know? And yeah. he, he, Batman takes the high road. He's like, well, we're not supposed to kill. And, that, and that, that, you know, that's what it's, that's true. But why is it that he's always so soft on the one person that obviously is... is Yeah, like this is the one people would give you a medal for. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, have they just completely dropped the whole three Jokers thing? Is that... No, like- that's going to... I... Don't know if it's going to have something to do with metal, um, but there is going to be, it's coming. Um, I don't know if they're going to be saving it specifically for also part of Doomsday Clock or not, but it has, it, it'll be, it'll be coming. But that's a great question this weekend because we have New York Comic Con. So, hey, listeners, if you got a chance, put Jeff on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, you know, for those locally, we also have Yumacon coming up this weekend. So, yep, so locally put, for where I'm living, I guess. <laughs> put us on the spot with some questions. <laughs> uh, okay, what else is on this spin around? All right, so that was all Batman 32, so go get yourself an issue if you can. Um, continuing on with Batman, we have Batman the Dawnbreaker number one, and this one is really good. Um, I think Ethan Van Scriver, I think he's been drawing them all. I'm not sure, but I know he's doing the art on this one. So it's Green Lantern, it's Ethan Van Scriver, and it's an evil Batman. So this, <laughs> that, I think those are some good sales points. Batman the White Knight, as we mentioned a moment ago, um, it's actually been extended. They are going, they, they want another issue. So it's, gonna, it's a miniseries, so it's going to continue on again. And this is the one where basically Joker, uh, has, he's the good guy. You know? so, so Batman's way evil. You got to think, why is that? That's... How does that exactly work? If they already had planned out so many issues, and then they're just like, okay, we're going to just throw in an extra issue. Is it going to just, I mean, it's got to be just like an epilogue. Then. It, it depends. So there's one way, like to me, in my mind's eye, here's what I see. One, they knew that, and they figured, oh, well, let's let the first issue hit. And then we'll be like, oh, it's so good. Fans want more, so we're going to give you more. Mm-hmm. So it's a lie. Or two, the comic's not done. Okay. Like all 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 the writer and artist do, well, the writer or whoever editor maybe they pitch it. Once they get green lit, so they have the idea of the story. So he pitched it. You know, hey, I got the six issue story. Here's what I want to do, and here's my beats: one, two, three, and four, five and six. You know, and because they don't even have the solicits ready yet, mm-hmm. like they like we might have solicits up to issue three, maybe. Mm. So there is room for change. You know, he could say that, you know what, this big battle now I can make it bigger or, oh, you know, what if what if I have an issue where Catwoman has a reaction now? You know, so it's it's not like it's the outlines there. The meat is not on the bone. All yeah. The see, yet. and to me, that just sounds like we have a six issue story. This is the six issue story, how it's going to work. 
first first week sales come out, oh, we're doing great. How about you guys get one more issue? And then they're like, okay, well, we'll just throw an issue, you know, an issue right in between four and five. We'll call that the new five, and it's just kind of filler. And it, it, oh, yeah, it, it feels like too. it feels like oh, well, we're just kind of milking people for their money, which. I mean, they're, they are a business. I understand that. But, I mean, that kind of sucks. Well, it does. And, you know, honestly, what really sucks is that's been Marvel's MO. I mean, Secret Wars. Oh, it's going to be a six-issue mini. Nope, seven. Nope, <laughs> eight. Nope, nine. You know? Oh, Secret Empire. <laughs> Six issues. Ten issues. Fifteen. I mean, so, you know, and you're right. It does. It's one of those things where it's like, well, the numbers are good. Yeah, put a filler in. Elongate this one part. Yeah. No, that part was boring. You know, <laughs> I'd rather have the $5. Well, you know, you know and I hope the the other hand is that I hope that the, the writer, whoever it is, I, I know I should probably know who it is, but I don't. It's uh, a new guy, actually. It's a it's a whole new set of people. Oh, nice. Uh, well, the writer comes up and says, "Okay, I have this story. It's you know the Joker being Batman, Batman in jail, uh, and I can tell it in six six issues, or I can tell it in eight issues. Like, what would you like me to do?" And then they're like, "Okay, tell it in six issues." And then they're like, "Oh, okay, first week sales. Oh, how about we make we'll give that, you that? We'll give, <laughs> we'll give you that other issues two back, issues yeah. back. Yeah, and he can he can tell his story properly, like the way that he wanted to." Or yeah. she wanted to. I don't know if it's a girl. Or well, it's Sean Murphy. Actually, that name does sound familiar. So, I, mm. but I'm not too like it sounds familiar, but I, I don't know where I'm hearing it from. So maybe it's it's new to DC. I'm not too sure. Anyways, so no, I'm looking forward to that one. Okay, with this premise, say you know this is an El- is this is, is this technically an Elseworld? I don't think we're using that word yet. Yeah, but we aren't using that because word anymore. Nightwing New World Order, you know it, it's in Elseworlds. Yeah. It's not like it's, you know, Nightwing Future Quest and it's in the, you know, no, this is. So I think we're getting Elseworlds. We're just not using the word for some reason. Uh, I it's don't know why. You know? Well, okay. So in this Elseworld, say they, you know, this, this White Knight does amazing. They're going to do a, a second miniseries. What's the next hero that you want to see their villain become the hero? Well, or okay, what's the so, next villain you want to see become their hero counterpart? Good question. I mean, well, we, we already have Lex Luthor being Superman. I was just going to say that. In the mainstream in comics, the mainstream, we have yeah. Luthor being Superman. We've Sinestro started as a Green Lantern. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, Zoom comes in and, and decides to put on the, the red Well, that's leotard. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking because it's like, and I mean, we've seen it because a story, the return of Barry Allen. So basically, why did Zoom go crazy? Well, he he got the plastic surgery to look like Barry. Mm-hmm. You know, he he found one of the old suits. He he managed to manipulate the chemicals and and got the speed force ability. So when he came into the future, which was 1990, um, yeah, that was the future. <laughs> uh, so when he came back into our past, which well, th- that would have been his past, which would have been the present. Um, he was Barry. Everybody was treating him like Barry, you know, and then next thing you know, it was just Wally was the one to find out. And once Wally discovered the truth, Zoom got pissed about it. So what if this is the moment where it's like, well, there's really no Wally, you know, I mean, there's two Wallys and they're not acting like the Wally we've all known. Right. It's not clear and confident or trying like crazy to get uh, Linda back. So what if he decides, yeah, this is my moment. So that could be fun. But I think an, an interesting one, and we, I don't think we've seen this one, is, and this one's always tough, because when it comes to Aquaman, who do you like better as the villain? Is it Ocean Master or is it Black Manta? I've always liked Ocean Master because of the whole, 
They're brothers, so of mm-hmm. course they're going to fight for that kingdom. But then at the same time, Black Manta was the one who killed Aqualad. Or not Aqualad, Aqua Baby. Right. So it doesn't get more <laughs> harsh than that. But at the same time, it's one of those things he did it under orders of Ocean Master. So, you know, but that fits in. I mean, crazy king uncles were always doing that. You know, they're like, oh, kill my, kill my nephew, so I'll wear the crown, you know. So, but I think I would like to see that. I would, I would like to say that maybe... Uh, Black Manta becomes Aquaman just because of his son. Right. And also, you know, he realizes he's got to atone for what he's done to the oceans and, and all of its life. So that could be kind of neat to see that. I, I, I Honestly, that's who I, I would say. Ocean Master is my... Not no, Ocean Master, I'm sorry. Black Manta is the... Oh, but see, well, I went with Black Manta because it was easier just because the whole... His son, mm-hmm. if that still counts... I I'm an I'm an Ocean Master fan. I didn't. I, it's a, that's understandable. I just I just I like the idea of this everyday man who wants to be the masters of the ocean. He's not an Atlantean. Like I don't know. He's he's the opposite for me. Wait, with Ocean Master? No, Black Manta. Oh, with Black Manta. Okay, gotcha. I see. Yeah. Like even you know Ocean Master and and Aquaman when they're underwater they can still breathe because yeah, they're, they're Atlanteans. Yeah. But he has to wear a whole suit and the scuba gear and all that stuff. But he still wants to be masters of of the sea because you know he just does. Yeah, exactly. And it's true. I mean, he's the one who's overcoming a harsher barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, he's he's a good villain. Um, we know there's been a heroic side to him, forever evil, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, but this one would be kind of neat that maybe this is the atonement he gets with his son, and it's a good father-son piece. So, I think that'd be worthwhile. I don't know who who I would want to go with. I don't know what storyline I would find interesting. Like, so who's the main uh, Azrael villain? <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, Bane. I guess. I mean, because oh, be Bane kind of made him in, important, yeah. being Asbat, but. Uh, I was thinking, uh, like, if you did, like, Captain Marvel, and then you went Black Adam, but Black Adam's already been a hero also. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Steel? Who does he have? Steel? Who did Steel? I mean, I felt like Steel just, he went up against uh, Luther a lot, because they were both... Yeah, the whole Superman thing. And right, the, and they were and both, both men. And they're both And they're both, yeah, yeah, exactly, so. All right, now, here's a big one, speaking of arch nemesis. So when it comes to Kyle Rayner, who who do you think it is? Is it Nero, the crazy guy with the yellow ring, or is it Effigy, who, who I, you is know, the main? Bad I like guy? both of those, but I, I when I think if I if I have to go with a uh, main nemesis for Kyle Rayner, I think of Major Force. No kidding! Wow, because he's the one that killed. Uh, yeah, he, he killed Alex. Alex, Alex, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So wow. Okay. So. I don't know. That's just the way I go with it. Now, I know I'm, I'm derailing us, and this is a moment of um, I'm digging into Mitch's long boxes. Um, okay, did you ever read, I think it was Green Lantern Annual Number 4? It was the one where Kyle and Hal traded places. and But they both traded like they were in present day at the time. And Kyle and Parallax were charging batteries at the same time. So Kyle got sent back to like showcase number 22, so oh, wow. Hal Jordan's origin. And Hal got sent to, you know, Green Lantern issue 51 or issue 54 when, when that happened to Alex. And he prevented it. He actually saved Alex. And I thought it was such a mean issue because that was kind of like a point that like Hal threw in Kyle's face. He's like, I saved her. Why couldn't you? Or something like that. So did you ever read that? Mm-mm. Ooh, I'm going to have to find that copy. Yeah, for yeah. I would definitely like to. Oh, I got it. Green Arrow. This is Oliver Queen dies. And Batman, 
actually Bruce Wayne with his you know amounts of money that he has pays Merlin to be the new Green Arrow Ooh. because he's a merc. He'll do anything for money, yeah. right? He'll even fight crime. He'll even <laughs> fight crime. It's nice. kind of like it's kind of like what happened with uh, Bullseye over in the Marvel Universe, didn't he? Because when he became Hawkeye during the Dark Avengers, yeah, like, I mean, he still did some good. Stuff. He still did some awful things. He did awful but, things, but like but as long as Norman like, hey, or the yeah, U.S. government was bills? paying him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice, I like that. Okay, sorry, I cut you up. We, no, we, no, no, you're good. You're good. The, what, what Great else is segue. It? Speaking of Green Arrow, Green Arrow issue thirty-two, which is the final part of the Resistance. Um, yeah, get that one. Go get the back issues if you can. It was an issue of Suicide Squad, uh, Teen Titans, Nightwing. Uh, I don't remember all of them, but hell of a story. So definitely I'll have to put the numbers out there for you folks. Um, speaking of Kyle Rayner as well, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, Volume 1. So wow. DC Comics is going back into their libraries, and they are collecting some great stuff. So if you've ever been curious about Kyle Rayner, you can get his first appearance and like the first 10 or 12 issues of his. So they're doing a trade paperback series of that. Uh, Green Lanterns number 32 continues the story of the original Lanterns. I think that actually concludes today. Injustice 2 number 11. I cannot stop talking about this book. And I say that every time. Uh, <laughs> they go head in hand. Read that comic if you haven't. Um, let's see. Now, if with the movie coming out, and it's a pricey thing, but if you're curious, Justice League by Jeff Johns box set. So this is basically, I think it's all the hard covers of Jeff John's new 52 Justice League run. If you want to get an insight to the movie Justice League, mm -hmm. that's probably the collection to do. Uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman won't be there yet. He's getting Momoa-fied right now. Yeah. But you're still going to see a leaner, meaner Aquaman. Mm -hmm. uh, Cyborg's made it to the league as an original member, mm -hmm. which... I, I feel they cheated him because I always loved him growing up in the Titans. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm totally fine with him being in the league, but it's like you're doing Cyborg and the Titans a disservice. Well, it just doesn't make any s sense, really. Like, uh, Vic Stone, college football player, right? Yeah. And he just happens to be in his dad's laboratory the day a boom tube opens and uh, the parademons attack. And, well, he gets, he gets injured and his dad's like, Oh man, my red room. I need to go ahead and just save his life and throw in a whole bunch of different alien technologies to save save my son's life. Now, he just he he becomes cyborg instantly and then he joins the Justice League. Now, he didn't have time to learn any of the tech that he's attached to. He's not super smart. He wasn't he's never been portrayed as the super smart jock guy, you know, yeah. beforehand. He's not Mr. Terrific. He's not. Well, he's uh, almost like Ronnie Michael Raymond. Holt. You know, it's like there's yeah. a reason why he had Professor Stein because exactly one is the heroic side, but the other is the. But the in the original, uh, you know, cyborg storyline, he had time to grow into being cyborg, yeah. grow into being super smart and learning his tech and being able to hack uh, systems and stuff like that. But this new Justice League, he's just like, oh well, I I am part computer now. I'm I know how to do all this yeah. stuff. Well, he gets a free pass because of the mother box. That's ultimately what they wrote it off as. Okay, like, oh, fair well, enough. Box is part of him, but I like it when he learned it. You know, because that's one of the cool things about Captain Cold. He knows how to build that gun. From he's not a genius. Refrigerator but he, parts. He, yeah, if he's need like be. he learned. He's like, hey, without this gun, I'm nothing. So I need to make sure this gun is a part of me. And it's like, build it, disassemble it, build it, disassemble it, build it, find replacement parts and all that stuff. And exact, exactly. And I think that was a cool moment. But you lose that with them aging or replacing cyborg's origins like mm -hmm. that yeah
But anyways, but still, regardless, either way, that was a great run. Uh, that, that era of Justice League was amazing. Um, let's see, continuing on, we get Nightwing issue 30, uh, Superman issue 32. And get ready, because your DC comic numbers are going to grow very soon. <laughs> uh, there was some artwork of a Tony Daniel variant cover. Superman standing in all his glory, busting out of some kryptonite chains with the numbers 800 behind him. Um, but I don't think the math works because so Superman's gonna be going to eight hundred. Well, Action of Comics is gonna be coming up thousand. in a thousand. That's gonna okay. be a, an expensive month, I'm guessing. You, know, <laughs> you imagine how many variant covers there's gonna be for the Action Comics number one thousand? Oh my god! And you know, probably right. a thousand. I'm gonna get on a rant. <laughs> so I was kind of upset because, okay, so when DC Rebirth special happened, I bought all the covers. I was so excited. I loved it. It's the greatest comic. Obviously, its counterpart being Marvel Legacy. Uh, I wanted to. And they literally, there's like something like close to 50 variants. See, and that's, or go ahead. I was going to say, that's probably why Dan Didio at San Diego Comic-Con said they, wasn't, they weren't going to be doing variant covers for DC Comics anymore, which yeah, but is an what? obvious lie. I'm gonna, exactly. I love Dan Didio. I'm sorry to say this, but you were full of shit on that one. Because <laughs> you guys said we're not going to do any variant covers for metal. Oh, there's so many fucking variant yeah. covers. And I mean, I'm curious how this works. Because like some of them stores are buying and making their own variants. So is that out of DC Comics' hands? Okay, then I apologize and I'll eat the shit. But I don't think that's true because no. you still have to create that diamond code that falls under your banner. So anyways, but yeah, the big numbers are coming. I think Wonder Woman, Flash, and maybe Batman, I'm not too sure, but those those names were dropped. So we're going to be having some more three-digit comic book numbers coming up. Uh, continue along the path. Nothing too much going on, so I'm going to go ahead and skip it on over to Marvel Comics. So we are now in the legacy area. So all new Guardians of the Galaxy number 11 is out. Pick it up because it's been a fantastic series. And they just spoiled it for us. Adam Warlock's coming back. So if we're chasing Infinity Stones and we have Adam Warlock, there's going to be a big-ass comic zone. <laughs> so these are part of the pieces. Pick it up while you can. So let's, let's, let's do a recap then real quick. That's three characters that have come back now it's adam warlock wolverine and gene gray all from through this legacy uh oh, yeah. title well, right? we're gonna get more we're gonna get so like i i feel that there's more to come um uh, so this weekend with it being nycc that something that two things have returned and one you can call bullshit and i'll let you say it <laughs> all right um one is we're actually getting an x-men panel we haven't had one of these in years. So apparently there's some big plans. Uh, Uncanny X-Men might be coming back. So I'm hoping a certain visored friend of mine will be coming back as well. And, oh, these are coming again. They haven't had one of these in a while. A Cup of Joe panel. So go oh, ahead and say it. Bullshit. Exactly. Because I know they had one. You went to it. You were, yeah. <laughs> you were quite displeased. And so was I. <laughs> I, went, I went to it. I want to say I went to it twice because I went to the one at D23 and I went to the one at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I think I went to the one at San Diego Comic-Con. Maybe I didn't. I think you did because I think we were texting. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. like you gave up another panel to be here and it turned out to be shit. It's still, it's just yeah. him talking about himself. And I'm like, I, I don't I want you to talk about Marvel. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's so, no offense, but he's disconnected from Marvel. I mean, he's not He's not in the day-to-day -day anymore. No. He's got other plans yeah. and stuff. You know? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so those are going to be some panels, so that might be worth watching. So I think, yeah, we're going to get a couple more Marvel characters. So, yep, exactly. You roll called it. We're at three. How many more will it be? I mean, we're still waiting on Captain Marvel himself, Marvel, to come yep. back. Well, and then even, speaking of some more comics coming, Astonishing X-Men number four. 
maybe we have Professor X back. I don't know because this series is tough to read. Um, but anyways, yeah, Professor X is out there. He's in the astral plane. So this is going to be interesting because he's trying to make a connection with old man Logan. Well, maybe his better connection is now Logan since Logan's back. So we'll see what's going to happen with that book. Avengers issue 672. Yeah, I know. Last week it was only 13, and now here we are at 672. But that's great. I love my big numbers. I think that stuff's fantastic. And this Avengers book will be crossing over with the champions, so it's going to be kind of neat because you're going to get a big crossover between two teams. And most of the champions were basically the young Avengers who quit. So it'll be kind of interesting right. to see what kind of dynamics we'll be seeing so there. So why jump? Over at 672, why not wait till you get to 700? Because 675. That's the big one because that's going to be – what's going to happen is – so issue 675 is going to happen, which will pretty much be right after um, like this crossover. Oh, okay. So this is going to spark the new events, but we're not calling them events. Right. Event. So this is going to be no surrender. So, oh, my God. When we were younger, there was a storyline that came out called Disassembled. Oh, yeah, that's what they're saying. That's what, 2002? 2004, actually. 2004? But, yeah, um, Avengers No Surrender is happening. So it's going to be damn near a weekly book. You got Mark Wade on this. So he knows. He's done He's done that tour before. Yeah. He's done that tour many times, yep. actually. Um, so, yeah, they're going to take the new Avengers book, and it's going to quit and become Avengers. Uh, they're going to take the Uncanny Avengers book. It's going to quit and become Avengers, and it's going to cycle through weekly, and we're going to get a big storyline. So are um, they throwing in the new Avengers and Uncanny Avengers to make the number 675? Or I, They put the punch card out there that has the math, so I don't remember. Um, I I would call foul on them, but at the same time, you know, why did I buy some of those books? Because they were Avenger books. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember there was a time, literally, basically since – Avengers Volume 3, which was issue number one with George Perez and Kurt Busiek, I have every Avenger book. But then it got to about the point where I want to say, I think it was, um, well, once Bendis left, I quit. I got, I got tired of buying all these books because I bought Uncanny Avengers and it sucked. Rick See, Remeter gave me a shit You know what? I, I got into Uncanny Avengers way too late. I, and the books, that, the, the issues that I read, I, I enjoyed. So I'm like, oh, I, I kind of want to go back and get the... You know, get it from the beginning. Once I start organizing my comics, I'll deliver them to you. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it was not. I mean, it was exciting, but it lagged. Okay. You know, Fair like enough. His, I think he just got burnt out because what he did with X-Force was amazing, and he tried to recreate that again, and it just kind of slowly dwelled. Uh, but anyways, I'm keeping on along the path. So, yeah, issue 672, which will lead to 675, which will be No Surrender. Um, if you were a fan of the Generations, Iron Man and Ironheart is getting a second print. Uh, I still wouldn't buy it. So just throwing that <laughs> out there for you. Iron Fist jumps up to 73. So we're getting near 75. Might be worth looking at. Jessica Jones, issue 13. If I remember correctly, I think this should be the Purple Man issue. I kind of want to pick that up because the purple man, he really screwed up Jessica's world. Um, Jessica's going to start looking like her Netflix counterpart even more. Even more. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the baby, mm. you know, because they obviously, they're not even a couple yet in the show. Right. So that's a big talking point. Um, now, over the past week, uh, you and I kind of got into a text talk or a text conversation 
we wanted to know, try and figure out who is the world's greatest detective in the Marvel universe, since we know the world's greatest detective in the DC universe is uh, Batman. Is Batman? I think the one that we kind of kept, sc- you know, uh, circling around was Jessica Jones because she's really the only detective. For well, the most part, yeah. I mean, because like for me, there's there's essentially there's three, like Jessica Jones, obviously, because she was created as a private investigator, and she's been integrated back into the Marvel U to have that history. Mm-hmm. So it's supplemented history. Uh, Jamie Maddox, the multiple man, he has been a detective, but he wasn't known for like he's like detective chimp status. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you'd be on these mysteries, but you weren't a detective. You were just trying to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, I guess. Ultimately, I guess I lean towards Daredevil, but I call foul because he can use his powers, you know, so that's kind of why I don't like tossing them on. Yeah, and see, like, I, I just, like, uh, I, I mean, I get Daredevil being the street level, you know, fine, cry, fine crime, crime fighter. fighter, thank you, and uh, I just don't see him, like, solving mysteries, it's more like reacting and trying to... Yeah, like this court case came in, it's like, I know that kid's innocent, so yeah, exactly. I can to prove it. As opposed to exact, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I just don't think Marvel has the detectiveness. Uh, Nick Fury, Reed Richards, those come to mind. But ultimately, I think I think we come back to, it is Jessica Jones. That's yeah. what she's more going to be known for. Yeah, a friend of ours, Chris, Chris GC, we've had him on the pe- podcast before. He's He was uh, throwing out there ba- also that, you know, basically the Marvel U's top scientists are the better detectives in that universe. Like yeah. Reed Richards and... Uh, Tony Stark, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, uh, Hank McCoy. But I was like, "Ah," you know, like they don't, they aren't solving the crimes for that. They're doing, they're doing their science and then they're also coming across things like, yeah, it's just, we, we never will. We just don't. The only person we'll get a good detective story with is Jessica Jones. I feel. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Maybe, and, and I didn't read enough of the X factor when, when Jamie Madrix was, uh, the, the head of this, X Factor detective agency. And I went back and I read the Wikipedia entries about it. And he's like, it says that he used his power uniquely because he split himself off into to multiple, into his multiple man. And each one would go investigate a different part. And then as they all came back to him, he'd get all that memory. He'd get all that memory. So mm, I was like, that's, pretty clever. that's smart. It's clever. It's using his power to its best thing. But, but like you said, cheating. he's exactly, well, it's not just cheating. It's just like, it's like you said, it, he doesn't get the, the, not- the, the notoriety. Well, you yeah, you don't get that noteworthiness because it's like, yeah, I mean, when you can do stuff like that, you know, because like, like that's why I'm low, like that's why I'm not too quick to give it to Jessica Jones because, you know, Batman still has to be cautious when he's out there. I mean, like you look at your Dick Tracy's, your, your the spirits, you know, they're normal dudes, you know. Right. So, but with Jessica Jones, she's she has all these powers. She still. does have powers. So it kind of makes it like, well... But yeah, it's it's funny because I think DC Comics is more the world of mystery because it was mystery men, um, you know. Because even Superman, to a point, is, he's a reporter, so he has some he does, skills. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's the the Marvel universe, the Marvel universe as we know it in the '60s was all science fiction, Fallout, radiation. So oh it yeah, sense I didn't even think about why that. They're not a detective world, but they copy each other so much. <laughs> like, come on, you know. So does that mean Nighthawk? Would be the detective? Honestly, I because he is Batman. He's essentially Batman of the Marvel Universe. Right. Um, I don't know, but I'm finally. Or, or go ahead. Or I was gonna say, what's the other one? The one that's on the um the young uh, 
What's the young here? The ones that that caused the Night Thrasher, the one that's on. The, oh yeah, I know the the New Warriors. New Warriors, thank you. Yeah, is he a detective? Or is he just a beat him up kind of guy? At best, I put him maybe at Nightwing level. And okay. like, no offense, Nightwing, but I, he, I don't think Nightwing is a detective. No, so Nightwing's much, not anything. You know, yeah, as we saw in the Batman Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, I had one more thing that I wanted to throw. Oh, well, if anybody listening would like to throw in their two cents on who's the world's greatest detective in the Marvel U, you know, tweet at us, get on our Facebook, uh, email us, geekeliteradio at gmail.com. Yeah, tell us. Who do you think it is? Because this is a tough one. And I, I it's, it picks up my brain because I love my... my uh, symmetry. Symmetry. And it's <laughs> like, who is this? <laughs> All right, but continue on. The spinner rack's almost done. Yes, this is a big Wednesday. Punisher Platoon. Uh, Punisher Born was great because it really showed a different side of Frank over in Nam. Punisher Platoon goes back to that. So this we're going is back to be, Nam. Yeah. So well, okay. I, I, maybe I'm over speaking. Maybe it's not Vietnam, but Frank Castle in the service. Okay. So you know? I was gonna say they have to uh, update him to at least Operation Desert Storm at this point, if yeah. not uh, Iraqi Freedom. Yeah. So this one, I'm trying to take a look at the solicit. Uh. Yeah, basically, it just it brings the first of these stories to light. The tale of Frank Castle's first command and his first kill, which is interesting because it seems like for the longest time they they didn't update him. Like they kept him as a Vietnam vet, like longer than. But because yeah. even the Tony Stark uh, <laughs> original story had him being trapped during Vietnam, right? Or I want to say, I think that more fell in the Korean. Cold War. Oh, or Cold War. Actually, you might be right. More Korean War. Okay. Um, because, yeah, it was it was pre-Vietnam. Because I want to say, I think Iron Man number one, or whenever they turned his book into Iron Man, I think that's when we dealt more with the Vietnam crisis. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they, you know, they've kind of always been, you know, they, they would always keep it that way. Because even when Rhodey first came on the scene, they synthesized him in. He, you know, he met him over there in Korea or whatever uh, country it was. Um, so they kept that backstory for a while. But then, yeah, it was like, I want to say when the really good looking art joined the book, <laughs> I can't think of the name, but that was when they finally made it more modern day. And yeah, Punisher for the longest time, he was always a Vietnam vet. And then finally it was kind of like, well, you know, desert storm vets are still like, they're starting to even get a little bit older. Maybe we should make Frank a desert. Storm <laughs> vet. Uh, I mean, even, uh, you know, look, look, they're, they're, they're adapting. They're using the Punisher logo. A lot of army, uh, soldiers you know like, oh yeah well, i mean thing, you look so. at the whole the, the the american sniper i mean yeah they, that was exactly. a big part of you know his unit and stuff like that and so they even had at one point there was it was kind of a scary thought so there were some police cars and they were adapting the punisher logo on there hmm. uh, but everybody pulled that idea and even i think they got um the writer i think jerry conway they're like yeah that's probably not a good idea to have that on your cop car yeah it might not be you know, so, i mean i thought it looked cool i try not to break the law or get caught so but yeah <laughs> um, but anyways continuing on this is the big book for me this is the one i cannot wait to read spirits of vengeance number one <laughs> yes finally uh johnny blaze is back and what's awesome is Robbie Ray is still around, too. We are getting to a point where maybe we can have all our ghostwriters, which would be fantastic. Put them all together. Make the book called The Pack or put it Garage. I don't care. <laughs> and then have them all there. You know, like, why not? The, the Three Spirits of Vengeance. So, anyway, Spirits of Vengeance is going to be great because it's Satana, uh, her brother, Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan. 
uh, Blade, Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider, and I think one or two more. I can't remember. Anyways, they're going to go on a supernatural quest. So far, the art looks good. Yes, I just hope the rating matches up. So I please go buy it. I think it's worthwhile. Fair enough. And that's a big pause. <laughs> uh, if you're enjoying Venom, Venom 155 is out there and Venomverse 5 of 5. So that'll be concluding that saga. Um, obviously, Eddie Brock's going to get a lot of spotlight. There's a movie and you have a great actor attached to it. So he's been he's been doing really good. And X-Men Gold issue 13 will be out there. And if I remember correctly, I think this starts the crossover with X-Men Blue, where they both go to the Mojoverse. Oh. So if you're buying gold, go get blue. If you're buying blue, go get gold. And if you're buying both, well, I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me throw this in real fast about Venom, uh, the, at least since you brought up the movie. Well, what, one, for the comic book, I, I like I said, when, what was it, 150 came out when they gave the suit back to uh, Eddie Brock? Yes. Uh, I, I bought that issue, but I didn't buy any of the subsequent issues, uh, so I don't know what else what's going on in that book at all. Um, but in movie universe wise, uh, they've a couple things of of importance have come out. Uh, they hire they cast Jenny Slate as a character in the movie. Oh, the name rings a bell. Jenny Slate used to be on uh, SNL for a little while. She okay. Yes, the she actress, was yeah. yeah the actress. She was most recently in a movie called Gifted with Chris Evans, where she played a teacher to Chris Evans' niece, who was super smart. I wish I worked at that school. She <laughs> is beautiful. She is beautiful. Uh, and then they also brought on a writer. The uh, the person the the writer is named Kelly Marcel. She adapted Fifty Shades of Grey from the book to the to the uh, the movie. So. What that means for Venom movie, we'll have to find out. It's going to have a great love story. Fifty Shades of Symbiote. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, with that being said, I think that's pretty much it for the Spinner Rack. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's a big, hefty week, but it's exciting. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, hopefully, Marvel Legacy will live up to a good name because DC Comics Rebirth has been fantastic. All right, so let me throw this out there. If you're a comic book fan, a DC comic book fan, and you're in the New York Comic Con area, um, Jeff Johns is going to be having a big panel. Like They're actually going to be putting this one out there for even those of us who can't make it to watch online. They're going to be giving away a secret gift. I think I heard it's going to be an ash can. I would love wow. to read it. Um, I would love to collect it. So if it's possible, help me out. And if it's not, then damn it, eBay, you're going to be taking a lot of my money. But yeah, <laughs> it's going to be interesting because... Um, is this going to be like parts of number one? Is this going to be like a zero issue? What is it? And why DC? Why would you do that to me? Because <laughs> they also like money. Yes. <laughs> but what's going to be funny is it's not going to benefit them on the secondary market. It's true. Very true. Okay. Uh, Polaris. Uh, 101. Also known as uh, Laura, Lorna Sally Dane. Uh, Magneto's illegitimate daughter, if you want to put it that way, a strange daughter, I think is the way you put it be earlier, which is better. Yeah. Uh, has the power, has the same powers as her father. Um, uh, electromagnetic manipulation, you know, magnetism. So at sometimes called the mistress of magnetism. Yep. Uh, uh, let's see. First appearance is X-Men number 49, October, 1968. 
created by Arnold Drake and Jim Steranko. Like, I recognize Steranko, but I don't know Arnold Drake. So Arnold Drake was... He was either the second or third writer on the X-Men comics. Lorna Dane is first class. Oh, really? She is, yeah. She's before Wolverine, Storm. She's before Giant Size. Wow. Um, yeah, so Arnold Drake, like I said, I think he was either the second or I think it went Stan, then Roy, and then Arnold Drake. Good writer. I mean, he did he did some good issues with those. Um, I have the masterwork, so I always went back and read those. And what's funny, I was saving it for this moment because we always talk about how we remember these characters. So I managed to get the old black and white essentials first. The when they would do those the big telephone books with all those old Marvel comics right. in there. So it was funny because I was reading and I met Polaris and I was like, oh, she's a cool character. Great. And finally seeing her in color, I was like, she has green hair. <laughs> <laughs> because it's in black and white, you would not have guessed it. You're like, why the hell green? I mean, Magneto's always purple and reddish. Why green? Where does that come from? But so anyways, but yeah, no, he did some great stuff. And obviously Starenko. Oh, my God, that art is beautiful. Like Now, do I know Starenko because of Spider-Man comics? Uh, probably you should think more your Nick Fury. Okay. Because he's the one who did all the trippy covers right. and the innuendo and things like that. And he's the guy, like, he actually, on top of being a comic book writer, he was also a magician. Really? So he would love to do uh, magic. He was a self-proclaimed escape artist. He's actually Mr. Miracle. Jack <laughs> Kirby. Yeah, Jack Kirby was like, yeah, when I created Mr. Miracle, I, I, made, a, I made him Stranko. So wow. It's Steranko, Jesus Christ, and Harry Houdini. And that's, that's Mr. Miracle. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yep. So, hell of a dude. Uh, crazy guy. I, 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 it'd be interesting to have a conversation with him, but at the same time, it'd be rough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back in October of 68. So, yeah. So, uh, a lot of the, the. She's been on a lot of the teams. She's a Star Jammer. She was an X Men. She's an X Factor and a Horseman of the Apocalypse. And I think that's where. Is that where a lot of people were introduced to her as a uh, as an acolyte? I would say I think the most like when most people think about her, we probably think of her in her X Factor era. Okay, um, just because like the Star Jammers that was more recent. That was when Havoc went into space and he was working with his dad. Mm-hmm. So obviously, with Corsair being the lead Star Jammer and Havoc being there and Havoc being the love interest of Polaris, that's why she got grandfathered in that team. The X Men, you know, she was on there for a total of, like five issues. Uh, but her biggest, her best well-read era would have been X-Men, X-Factor 70 and on when the book was relaunched under Havoc's lead. So that's mostly where we would know her from. The Horseman era, oh man, I want to say, and I think I'm misplacing it, but I want to say it was around 2000s. I think that's when she was a member of the Horseman. Apparently she was the, she was Pestilence. Yeah, so I think that was, I think that was around that area because that was, that was around the 12, if I remember correctly. Okay. Or maybe it was after, I, I can't remember. And you know what, I think it's probably right around the time I picked up X-Men books, so I would have been reading about that time, and I, I kind of remember her being Pestilence. The thing that came to my mind first when thinking about uh, a Polaris and the first story that I remember her in, um, Havoc was in a coma, and then he had a nurse. I think her name was Annie. Yes, that was Annie. constantly talking to him and you know taking care of him and stuff. And then eventually he wakes up, and he just has a lot of those memories. So he kind of falls in love with her, and her son is also a mutant, and. Uh, Polaris shows up and she's just like, Havoc, you're back awake. What do you mean you're with this other woman? You know, because the two of them have been together for so long. Yep. So what, who was that? Was that Chuck Austin? The one we don't speak of? The, one, yes, the name we don't. I was going to say, <laughs> I, that's what I thought it was, but 
Uh, what, how was Havoc in, the, in, a, in a coma? Do you remember? I think uh, so. Havoc was an interesting character because so he was part of X Factor, right? And he was leading the government mutant team. And this is and, uh, Scott Summers' brother. Yep, the younger brother Alex of Scott and- Summers. Um, so he was leader of X Factor, and something happened, and he just kind of got fed up. So I remember at one point he actually tried to like hijack a plane. So this is what led to him and Cyclops because it just so happened that Cyclops was on the plane flying somewhere. And I think J. Jonah Jameson was there as well. And so Cyclops and his brother had to fight. And I think they both fell out of the plane. So, of course, you know, Cyclops got saved. And this is, if I remember correctly, I think this is the issue where Havoc got blasted over to the Mutant X world. So that's where he met the beast who looked like the amphibioid beast, mm-hmm. uh, Bloodstorm, the the vampire storm, mm-hmm. uh, Archangel who had the bat-like wings, and Madeline Pryor was their goblin queen, their Jean Grey. So that was that Mutant X book, not to be confused with the weird Mutant X show, which was supposed to be that show's book and things like that. <laughs> yeah, long story. Um, that'll be part of the tales from the back issues. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. Um, and when havoc, like that world ultimately ended. And so our, the six one six havoc came back to six one six. So when he came back, he was in that coma. And so that's why you had him at the X mansion with the nurse. Okay. Uh, now I also remember her in the ultimate X-Men universe and she came about with havoc after Magneto had already done his, ultimatum if i remember correctly i believe that's the story so So, you know he had caused such havoc Uh, Uh, (laughs) he did that giant tidal wave it 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 kind of uh killed a lot of destroyed new york yeah yeah. and uh i remember i believe that i believe it was um emma emma frost creating her new class her new team or whatever but it was government sanctioned and uh the president was having the last say over who gets to be on the team and she they're like oh this is polaris she has magnet powers he's no (laughs) no magnet powers you know like basically because it's because of magneto so so havoc made it on the team but but polaris didn't that's all i remember from that but uh other important stories in the polaris so, Mythos. Yeah, so a big one, obviously, the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. So that's when, with Havoc, uh, because this was, so this, and a lot of, so the tough thing, so why I know a lot about, not know a lot, but why I've seen Polaris a lot is because she does get tangled up in the Summers family because of her attraction to um, Havoc. Mm-hmm. So in Deadly Genesis... X-Men Deadly Genesis, that's where we learn of the third Summers brother, Vulcan. the missing class. So Vulcan, after he lost the X-Men, somehow got exiled into space. And so when he was in space, he was causing a bunch of problems. And I think he killed Corsair. So this is what caused Havoc to go into space. And so this is why you had Polaris up there. And a lot of people say good stuff about this run. I want to say it was Ed Brubaker who even wrote it. So you have Polaris, Professor X, Darwin, Havoc, Marvel Girl, which would have been the uh, Rachel Gray one, right. uh, Nightcrawler, and Warpath. And basically that's what they're doing is fighting Vulcan. And this was some big stuff. Like this was like the War of Kings, the Kingbreaker. So, I mean, this tied in with Guardians of the Galaxy. This was probably like the third big space epic when Marvel decided to relaunch their space route. So I know the trades are out there. They might be a little pricey, but I've heard nothing but good stuff. I just have yet to read it because at that point it came down to, do I buy Uncanny and Astonishing and X-Men or do I, (laughs) when Scott wasn't an Uncanny, it wasn't on my priority list. (laughs) Uh, now 
in the House of M storyline, she was also featured. I, I don't know if featured might be a little bit too too big a word, but well, she, she was, still got mentioned, but then she got shafted. Like she's always yeah, in her history. Exactly. Like in the world of House of M, she's the princess. Yeah. But nope, you're not Pedro or Wanda. No, you're not. No. So yeah, so I I remember I kind of remember like Wanda having a very much a uh, harsh reaction to her being there yeah. in that storyline. So well, those two like, and it's funny, and obviously what Marvel changed everything thanks to the, the the TV and the movies, but it's like they're sisters. But now they're not anymore because not, Wanda's you know, not even yeah. a daughter of Wanda Magneto and, and Pedro Magneto. are not the daughters of are the the children of Magneto. Yeah. So Polaris for sure is. And it's funny because now they've really built up the relationship between Magneto and Polaris. <laughs> and that's why it was always kind of, a, it was almost like a running gag with Polaris, you know, because she, oh, I'm the daughter of Magneto. So you're not Magneto. Yeah. Know? Oh, well, I'm the sibling to one, uh, to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. So you're not Scarlet Witch or Quicksilver. So she was always this black sheep and, you know, she was always associated with Havoc. So she would more or less go where he would go. Uh, one thing that I did find funny in her origins and stuff like that in her first couple appearances is actually Bobby Drake, who was really attracted to her. Really? Yeah, Iceman was attracted to her, and she was attracted to him, but then once she met Havoc, it was kind of like, see you later. Yeah. Uh, they even did that on the cartoon. Like, that's that's one of the first appearances I do remember. I think that's actually probably the first time I saw her in color was on the cartoon. That was the Iceman episode. Okay. And so Iceman breaks in, and he's trying to fight the government, and... So he gets almost arrested. So the X-Men come to save him. And, of course, Cyclops is like, damn it, Bobby, you're being a dumbass. And Because you know, Cyclops has to be the dad and angry all the time. And Iceman's like, no. And Jubilee and Iceman were kind of like, oh, we're, we're young, we're hip, and we're cool. And it basically turned out that Laura Dane was kidnapped. Well, it wasn't that she was kidnapped. She just left him. Mm-hmm. And she went to go join X-Factor and didn't tell him. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember that part of yeah. this. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that, if you're looking for, I'm sure you can find that episode online. That was a good one of the X-Men, the animated series. Uh, anything else of importance you want to mention? Well, one that I would, rec- I would really recommend. Um, so basically during the second era of the X-Men, um, right off the bat, you had... So in the earlier era of the X-Men, there was a character called Eric the Red. And it turns out it was basically Cyclops in disguise trying Mm. to discover villains. So then when Chris Claremont came into the book and started writing it, and it was right after the Phoenix Saga. Or maybe, no, I think it was part of the Phoenix Saga. So Eric the Red turns out to be a real character from outer space. And he kidnaps Lorna and Havoc. And he brainwashes them. And that was one of the same points where, like, she was really powerful because now she's really untapped into her powers. So, obviously, part of the, uh, the, the Claremont run, the early stages, that's some good Polaris issues, too. Like, there's, there's going to be a, some cherry picking involved, but that was a good run of hers. So, uh, like I said, the reason we decided to talk about, talk about her is because uh, her character showed up in The Gifted. X-Men's Fox is The Gifted, which is part of the X-Men universe without actually having the X-Men in it. Um, she has, it, they have stated that she will be the daughter of Magneto, but Magneto, just like the rest of the X-Men, are, are missing. Uh, no idea where she is. Um, the actress playing her is Emma Dor- Dumont. Uh, if it, There's not very many other things that I've seen her in. Um, I, she was in Aquarius, a TV show with uh, David Duchovny, which was, on, which was on NBC for two seasons. Very good show. David Duchovny plays a... LA cop who kind of isn't kind of 
is investigating Charles Manson before he became Charles Manson and oh, wow. in the Manson family. Like this is when he was in his uh, druggy um, failed musician phase before he became the Charles Manson. Um, and she was also in the Magicians as the white lady. She was in uh, Pretty Little Liars, I, I, I guess, as for one, one or two episodes. Um, other than that, not very much other things. Bunheads, she had a main role. Uh, Mind Games, Inherent Vice, which is a movie, so that's that that's good for her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not not much else. In the one episode that I've seen her in so far, did decent enough. I think a lot of the acting in that show in general is not great. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, and you got big, big TV actors in this show. Like the the guy from True Blood is plays the father. That's right. I forgot because it's Anna Paquin's husband, right? Which is kind of a funny X Men tie tie around. Himself. Yeah, uh, he he kind of chews up the scenery in a lot of places. Um, the kids, they're a little overacting, but they're kids, so I, I let them get a pass. <laughs> um, they do have a character in there that they're calling Eclipse, who is basically just Sunspot, and I don't know why they didn't just call him Sunspot for yeah. whatever reason. However, they actually have a Thunderbird, John Proud's, Proud Star, Proud Star. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, and they're using him quite interestingly interestingly um as well as a blink which she doesn't quite understand how to use her powers yet but that's cool uh-huh. um but the john proud star and maybe we'll end up doing a, a thunderbird 101 at some point but he died but it wasn't from the legacy virus was it no it, well i i always kind of mix up my proud stars because i think there's a john and a james so the original Thunderbird like died on his thir- third appearance. Okay. Uh, because he was the first one to die of the new X Men group, and then and he just died because he went on a mission and he chased an exploding plane. And, and James is the one that's around now. He's I think Warpath. It's James, yeah, and I think he's, I think he's, I think he's fine because he was part of that X Force squad right. and stuff like that. So yeah, he's. So he's it's okay. John. It's definitely John. He's Thunderbird, and uh, yeah. Do you know? Remember how it is that he died in his third appearance? Because. Well, so they were fighting, basically, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Count Nefera, who's the father of Madame Mask. Think of Count Nefera as a poor man's um, Rachel Ghoul. So really? He's this big, okay. you know, devious, mustache-twiddling bad guy. <sighs> and he was screwing around. He was trying to take over NORAD. And, and um, as he was escaping in this plane... Um, Proud Star was like, no, you know, and he was running and he grabbed it. Uh, Banshee was flying right behind him at full throttle, and he's like, I, I don't know if I can grab him. I don't know if I can save him. Even Professor Xavier's like, stop, stop now. And then and Thunder Thunderbird was like, no, I can't let him escape. And then, bam, the plane wound up crashing and exploding. And he just died right there. And it was like, whoa. So, because, like, for the longest time, whenever I would, when I was reading, like, Wizard Magazine, and they would talk about the sacrifices of uh, the X-Men. Like, the two that I would always see would be uh, Colossus for Legacy Virus. Yeah. And then uh, John Proudstar, Thunderbird, for whatever it is that he did. Like, I, they never actually... I just associated him with the Legacy Virus because they always talked about Colossus that way. <laughs> yeah. so, so, that is Polaris... One, oh, oh, sorry. I got one more. So, if you actually do like this character, and they obviously timed it very well... I want to say this comic book, well, it actually came out August 16th, so you could probably still find it on your stands. X-Men Blue number nine. 
Um, she had a neat little character art there. So I'd probably say maybe go get issue 7, 8, 9, and 10. So she made her appearances there. Issue 9 was big because that cover actually homages the, uh, I think it was Neil Adams who did the cover for her first appearance. So, you know, obviously they, they knew something was coming with her having that. So if you do like this character and you want to learn more about her, that's definitely probably a good start. Yeah, I remember. I think I talked about that last week when uh, she went up against Havoc, who was underneath the control of Emma Frost over yeah. in New Tian and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was good issue. Definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. Like I said, that was Polaris 101. If you have anything you'd like to add uh, for this story or any of the other things we talked about, we'd love to hear from you. I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. Uh, Chris is also on Twitter as... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Uh, check out our website, geekeliteradio.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network, plus all the new things that we are doing over there article-wise. But until next time, this is Imaginative on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.